He is one of the very few men in history that most people can recognize by one name, and no name can ever be as important. Everyone knows of Jesus Christ, but how much do we know Jesus Christ? Join us as we dive deeper into his life, his teachings, and most importantly, his love, and together we can grow closer and build a personal relationship with him. This is Light of the World in Focus. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Light of the World in Focus. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm excited to cover the content that we have prepared for today. So, if you remember from last week, um, I had mentioned that we were going to discuss the miracle of the fishes and loaves, where Christ had fed 5,000 people with a very small amount of fish and loaves. Um, And we were actually going to cover that last week. Um, but we weren't able to during time, for time reasons, um, and I promise we get to it this week, and we will, but I'm actually going to push it off a little bit, uh, more, don't worry, we'll still get to it today, and it's just, I needed, I wanted to format this week's a little bit different than, uh, usual, usually I go chronologically, or how it's laid out in Jesus the Christ, there's been a few exceptions, but that's usually what I do, um, this time, we're actually going to jump into uh, right in the middle of the story of the fish and the loaves. I know that sounds confusing, um, but I think it'll flow better just in case I don't have enough time today to talk about what I all that I want to. Um, it'll be a better transition going into next, um, next week if we have to. So um, it'll, it'll make more sense, um, hopefully, as things go on. So... Um, we will just jump right into it. So, there's there's two real parts to the, the fishes and loaves story. Of course, there's the first part where the miracle actually takes place. And then later the next day, um, that same group of people confronts him. Um, and we're actually going to talk about what happens in between the, the miracle of the fishes and loaves and the next day when, when they find Christ again. And this is actually another really really popular um, miracle, so it's like a two-for-one, as far as popular miracles go, um, and so we'll just um, pick up from right after um, the, this last miracle, so um, everyone's dispersed, and what Christ does is he sends the apostles on a boat um, to cross uh, to cross the Sea of Galilee, um, and Christ was not with them, and they were they were a little bit uh, um, hesitant to do so, um, for some reasons that we'll talk about when we address the uh, the miracle in more detail. But they do they they follow the master's command and they take off in the boat. Big problem arises though in the in the form of a storm. Um, a big storm comes up and it's blowing them around. And uh, um, they had gotten less than four miles on their course. And there was a strong headwind. Um, the sails were um, not usable just with the wind. So they were rowing. And they were rowing. That's the only thing they had was the power of pure muscle. Um, and to turn back before the wind would have been terrible, because if you think about it, boats are only really aerodynamic or 
water dynamic one way. Um, I guess it'd be hydrodynamic if I remember correctly. And so if you turn, so when it's facing the wind, the wind goes by it just fine, right? But if you were to turn sideways, um, it would flip you. Me and a, I had a date out on a canoe once. We were fishing in a lake just for a day. And uh, I had anchored, and the canoe just, you know, turned to go with the flow of the, uh, with the flow of the water. Well, we decided we wanted to head back. Or at least change a new position, I don't remember. And so I, I started rowing. And I got us turned sideways and this wind and the waves picked up and nearly capsized us. Um, and she was not too happy with me. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, so I have, a, I have a testimony of this. I thought it was just a funny little story to share. Um, so yeah, they, they do not because where I was just in this little lake in the mountains of Utah could have swam to shore. They were four miles out. Uh, basically would have been a death sentence. So... Um, that was their plight. Um, they were stuck out there. Well, um, Christ, it says, um, in the fourth watch, and that's between three and six o'clock in the morning, um, Christ comes to their assistance. Um, and he starts walking upon the, the waters, even in the midst of the storm, and, uh, um, starts walking towards the apostles. Well, they see this figure walking towards them, um, and they think, oh my gosh, it is a ghost or some spirit that is coming to, uh, to attack us or whatnot. And so I would be a little bit afraid too. I'm not really used to seeing people just, you know, strolling out on the, in the water in the middle of a storm. <laughs> That's... Some pretty uh, rare occurrence, and so I don't necessarily blame them for being for being scared at first, and um, it must have been it must have been a it must have been very relief relieving for them when they heard Christ's voice as he says, "Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid." And I wanted to take some time and talk about this miracle because it is rich with uh with symbolism um and then we're going to go on to uh to the next part which some of you might be if you read ahead you know what's coming but i want to talk about that last part the the um be of good cheer and we'll talk about it a little bit more later um but this is something that I've thought of, and it the way he phrases it kind of sounds like a commandment, right? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. I mean that makes that makes sense. Um, but if we think about it, why did the go authors of the gospel that wrote this down um, feel? important to, to word it that way, or they wrote it down that way, or heck, why did even Christ um, phrase it that way? Um, he could have just said, it is I, be not afraid, right? The be of good cheer part. Well, I think they wanted to write down how it, how it applies to us. And we'll get to this a little bit more in a little bit, but I think that one thing we might forget to not quite look at all the time in life is that 
Christ and Heavenly Father want us to be of good cheer. They want us to be happy. And in fact, it comes across here kind of like it's a commandment, right? To be happy. And if you look, where is the source of the happiness? It is I, be not afraid. The happiness in Christ. You know, we just last week talked about how it's um, if you lose your life for the gospel's sake, you should find it, you know, and we kind of talk about these, um, you know, the attributes of, of being an apostle and maybe some things we have to give up and whatnot. And it kind of sounds a little scary and intimidating, but we need to remember that Christ wants us to find happiness and that happiness through him and the gospel that he teaches. Um, he wants us to be happy and that's why he does, he does a lot of what he does. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit more. I just wanted to give, give, uh, that a little, a little time. And I, I'd like you all to, uh, um, ponder it and think about it too. Well, so Christ says this whole, um, no, be a good cheer, desire, be not afraid. And they must have been really relieved. And I'm sure Peter was um, really relieved. And as impulsive as Peter is and has been, he says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Um, and Christ said, okay, yeah, come on, go for it. And not his words, just <laughs> my my translation. Um, Peter gets out of the ship and starts walking towards Christ. And it must be... And a really amazing experience. Um, because I'm sure there was a little bit of doubt in Peter's mind. He's like, whoa, never in the history of ever has this worked for anyone. Um, but I have the faith, and I'm sure it's just the relief that must have come from stepping out on the water and just having it be solid underneath him. It's just been, been such a rewarding, rewarding, faithful experience. And then... He starts to walk, and uh, he does. He starts walking towards Christ, but then the wind picks up, and the waves raise, and he sees the storm, and uh, he starts to sink, right? I'm not sure how fast he started to sink. I don't know if it was like instantaneous bloop, or if it was like quicksand. I don't know. But he he uh, he's scared and cries out for Christ to save him. And Christ catches him by the hand and says, O thou little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And this, this, this story and this miracle is just so rich with, with symbolism. Um, some of it is, uh, um, some of it's kind of plain, some of it's a little bit, takes a little bit more pondering to get to. Um, but, first I want to talk about um, the faith of Peter. I kind of alluded to it before. Um, but we find here that Christ's ability to, to walk on water could be, uh, um, could work for others if their faith was there and it endured, right? Peter's attempt was working until he started to lose faith when he looked from Christ to the storm. That's when he began to sink. Um, But, if you think of it, his faith must have been grown immensely after those first couple steps. Um, and though he might have faltered later on, his faith was stronger because of this whole experience. Think of what his faith might have been like if Christ said, nope, stay in the boat, don't try it, right? That might have hampered 
or put um, restraints on his faith's growth. So even though his he his uh, attempt ended with a failure, um, the the demonstration and built of his faith um, was shown more there than any words really could have. You know, the faith in, in action being a kind of a, um, related, well, definitely being related. Um, this just got me to think of that in life, right, um, we might feel that, that God is telling us to do something or try something, or we have a question, um, I should do this, or should I do this, or whatever it might be, and we feel that, that God gives us the go-ahead. And then we start off really, really good. Maybe it's a new job, right? But then it just ends terribly, just terribly. And you think, oh, why would God? He was telling me to do that. So why would it, why would it not work out? And realize that maybe there's just something you needed to learn along the way. Or that, look at how your faith was grown. Um, and then maybe you had gotten to one point, a critical decision point, just like Peter. He could continue to look at the Lord or look at the storm, and he chose the wrong one, right? And you learn, you grow for next time. Um, and let's be honest, just as as in every life, in all of our lives, there's we come across experiences that are like a a storm, a sea battering upon us, right? And we might feel like we're starting to sink. Like I said, I don't know how much Peter stunk before Christ caught him. We may we may feel like uh, we're not getting help far after we've started sinking, but the help was there, right? The help came for whatever for whatever reason. Um, it um. Hey, had you fall that far, it was it was all in all good, good uh, reason. The Lord's in the Lord's time, and so another another cool thing is that if you remember, um, Peter's storm, you know, looking at the storm was the only time the storm was causing problems. Even before then, the hours that they toiled on the on the sea um, before Christ appeared. I'm sure it was all terrifying, you know. They they didn't know how long they could last before the wind capsized them or whatnot. And then it seemed that on the horizon, <laughs> an even more terrible thing appeared. A, a spirits come and haunt us, haunt them. Um, but really, that that turned out to be their savior. And you know, in in life, these things may happen that we think are just. Um, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is just a freight train coming your way. <laughs> you know, sometimes maybe that that is what actually comes in to save us, right? To come into our aid. We may not understand it or see it at first, but at the end of the day, that's what we need. So if I could wrap up this, the sim, um, what I get out of this is that God wants us to be happy. And that happiness comes through our focus and attention on Jesus Christ. And that there are storms that come and will push us around. Um, that we will always, as we look to the Savior, we shall be um, saved. Even though we might start to sink a little bit. It will all be 
to build our faith and help us come, come closer to him. And now for the story you've all been waiting for for a whole week since the last uh, podcast. Um, the story of the 5,000 fed in the desert, the f- miracle, the fishes and loaves. So let's get started. Um, so this comes after the apostles returned from their uh, their mission trip that we had talked about last time. Um there's some stuff that, that happens in Jesus Christ between then. It's just, I think, like a page or so. Um, I don't feel the overwhelming need to go over it and instead spend time on this. So you can go back and read that. Feel free. I, I encourage you to, actually. So um, um, kind of going along, first little little font, um, kind of going along with um, what we had just talked about. Um the disciples come back from their um, from their missionary duties. We don't know how long they were exactly, but they all come back and they're they're um, um, they find Jesus, um, and he had drawn a great crowd, a great multitude around them, and so they had little opportunity of uh, of privacy with with the Lord, because um, there's many people. It says in the scriptures, for there were many coming and going. That they had no leisure, so much as to eat. Um, and so they were really, Christ was really busy, and just, they went from work to more work. They come back, and it's, it's still business as usual. But, and this is what I said kind of going along with what we had talked about just recently. Um, the Lord um, extends them an invitation at this, and he says, uh, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Or basically, you know, you've you've done a lot of work. Take a break, right? You need to recoup and um, relax. And so, uh, Christ and the twelve withdrew from all the people and entered a boat. Um, and they crossed to a, um, a kind of more wilderness spot, away from people where they could rest and relax. And how this applies to us is that, um, kind of like I said before, Christ wants us to be happy, right? Um, don't think that Christ expects more of you than what you can do. That doesn't mean we shouldn't give it our all, but realize that we have to take care of ourselves too. That, um, a worker is only as effective as his tools are. And so if you keep your tools in good shape, then you'll be able to work harder and faster. It's the same with us. We're the tool in the, in the hand of the Lord. And, um, we got to keep ourselves in good shape. So um, just a little note that I uh, wanted to share because it felt pretty uh, relevant to what we just talked about. So as they are uh, out in the seclusion, uh, the multitude um, followed them. Um, I guess, you know, no rest for the uh, righteous. No rest for the righteous. That's what I was going to say. Um, and the multitudes followed them, and they, they gather on some slopes, the lower slopes around Christ. And uh, Christ uh, takes compassion on them, and uh, he starts teaching them and healing um, anyone that was in, in standing, that needed some, some healing. Um, 
And this goes on, and people just seem so um, attentive and just soaking up all that Christ was saying that they, they kind of uh, were um, didn't really realize how much time had passed, that many hours had, had passed, and then evening was approaching. Um, and uh, Christ realized this and um, realized that the people were hungry. And so we asked Philip, one of the twelve apostles, it says, Where shall we buy, or whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Um, and um, this this question is more more to test the faith of the apostle. Um, because I'm sure Christ had already had a plan. He knew what he was going to do. Um, and Philip must have been a little bit surprised. Because um, it says that they had numbered all of the... Um, people to be 5,000, and that was just the men, let alone the women and, and children. Um, and so, um, Philip was like, well, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, um, that every one of them may take a little. So basically it said, we could spend a lot of money, and that wouldn't even be enough for everyone to have a snipe, light little refreshment snack, you know, not even a full meal. I mean, and that's even if we had 200 penny worth. What he does say is um, there's a um, there's a lad present who had barely five barley loaves and two small fishes. But he said, what are they among so many? So basically, if we had $200, we couldn't even get enough food to give these people a snack. Um, and this, I mean, well, and we don't even have $200. What we do have is this guy with five loaves and two fish. But what are they going to do with 5,000 people? And that won't be enough for everyone to get a smell. <laughs> um, and so, um, Christ said, well, we can, we can work with that. Um, and, uh, well, the, actually the, uh, the rest of the apostles said, uh, um, tried, tried to get um, Christ to send them away. They could all get stuff to eat by themselves. Um, and so uh, Christ says, we'll take care of this. Um, don't send them away. And he basically says, hey, we have five loaves and two fishes. This is enough to work with. And the apostles are a little bit confused. Um, but Christ says, don't worry, just, just follow along. Um, again, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not actually. This isn't Christ's words. This is just uh, telling the story. Um so, um, Christ commands that the people um, seat themselves um, in in groups of fifties um, and a hundred, um, just just a little bit order to make things a little bit easier. Um, Christ then takes the the five loaves of bread and the fish, and uh, prays over them, um, and then he evenly distributes the. Uh, the bread and the fish among the twelve disciples, and tells them to go feed everyone. Um, and this is where the miracle takes place. Is that everyone, the five thousand plus the women and children, right? So however many that would be, I would say that probably each guy had a wife, right? And let's say one kid each, right? That's like five thousand times three. What fifteen hundred? Yeah, fifteen thousand people. It's a lot of people. Um, if my math isn't wrong, which it might be. That's a lot of people. But everyone ate and ate and ate until they were full. 
Everyone was satisfied. And then Christ says, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And the twelve baskets were filled with the surplus. The twelve baskets, my bad, were filled with the surplus. Um, and this is just such an amazing, amazing miracle um, that he was able to take... I, I, I don't know how big their loaves of bread were, but I'm pretty confident I know some people that would be able to eat the two fish and the five loaves of bread just themselves and be totally fine. And yet Christ was able to take these and through a process no one understands um, except just pure faith, um, was able to feed everyone. And not just that, feed them until they were filled. Um, it's just so, so very impressive. And no one really knows how that happened, but that's not the point. Um, there's there's lots of points, um, in my mind, of, of, well, of ideas more appropriately. There's, there's multiple ideas and principles being pulled out of this, of this story. Um, from the very mundane, um, like to not waste things, to even deeper spiritual um, principles and ideas. And I think the, the not to waste things is pretty, um, pretty self-explanatory, right? After everyone was fed, it was pretty, you know, probably would have been easier to say, instead of having the 12 gather up all of the others and to bask this, just, you know, have them leave it there. I mean, it's bread and fish, it'll decompose, right? But it's obviously important to Christ that our resources that we have not be wasted. And that can be applied to, of course, both physical and spiritual and mental resources, right? That use everything wisely. Um, and I guess I can kind of go back to what we talked about, um, keeping the tool in good shape, right? When you have to take care of it, but to also use it wisely. <laughs> um, don't use your uh, your pliers as a hammer um, and other stuff. Um, so that's just one of the, um, you know, principles we pull out of it. I want to pull something a little bit more spiritual out of it. Um, and that, that being, I think this is a great, great example of, of how, um, the spreading of the gospel is really to take place. So let, let's... Let's turn this into an analogy for a second. So let's let's make the bread and the fishes represent the gospel, right? Christ had, you know, compared it to the the li the living bread, water. My bad, to a lot of physical things. So let's let's say that this, and the gospel is provided to us through Jesus Christ. That's that's the original source, um, and he gives that gospel to his, um, chosen. Uh, disciples, his apostles in this case, right? To take it to the rest of the world. Um, and this is done in a very orderly fashion. If you look, um, Christ, he, he organizes everyone in groups of 50 and 1,000. Um, not 1,000, sorry, 50 and 100 <laughs> um, to make it, to make it uh, easier. And then his apostles take it, take it to all of them. And then at the end, there's an excess. Um, and what, what it means to me is that uh, we, as followers of Christ, are like the apostles. We've been charged to take this to the world, right? 
And we should do this in a very methodical, um, organized approach. We shouldn't be trying to just go willy-nilly. Um, we, should, we should try to make a plan. So how does that look in our lives, right? Well, I think we should probably put a little bit more effort into it than we do already. I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone. You might be doing a lot better than, than this. But this is how I um, was and still am to a, a, a degree is that, oh, I'm happy to do missionary work. I'm happy to spread the gospel when the opportunity arises. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy when someone comes goes out of their way to talk to me about Christ. Oh, I'm more than happy to talk to them about it, um, which is good. We should always take opportunities like that, but I think there's maybe a little bit more we could do. Um, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go into all the do's and don'ts missionary work, right? But I think we should definitely have self reflection and think: How can I organize this better? What what approach do I need to take? How do I need to organize it? Um, in what way? And then be diligent in taking it and fulfilling that plan, right? The the reason why Christ, I assume, there might be more separated into groups of five, fifty, and a uh, hundred was to make sure that everyone got a chance to hear it and um, that to fulfill his plan and getting everyone fed, right? It was the most effective way to make sure that everything in that plan got fulfilled, right? We should make a plan and organize it in a way to where that plan gets fulfilled. Um, I'm not trying to say that we should take it upon ourselves to, to feed hundreds of people at a time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we the plan, just like... Christ's plan was to feed everyone, it needs to be organized, just like they had organized people. I hope that makes sense. And then afterwards, there was an excess. What does that mean? I think it's to remind us that um, the gospel is is for everyone. And it's, it's not just it's not just for a few people. And that we shouldn't be worried that uh and I don't think this is a huge um I don't think this is a huge problem or, or thought these days, but we shouldn't be concerned about um, there being anything there for us, right? That the gospel is is able and equipped to take care of everyone, and that there there is always enough to go around, right? And that we should not not worry about if I'll have enough to eat, but more more worried about feeding feeding other people because there will always be enough there. It's just they need it to be brought to them. And so I hope that makes a little bit of sense, but that's what really that's what really stands out uh, stands out to me. I'm sure there's many different interpretations that that you can think of, and I think it'd be great if you guys pondered and thought of and thought of more. So, well, to kind of wrap up, just real quick, um, after this, um, the people are just so enthralled by what happened; they just saw. Um, a amazing miracle that you know no one has any idea how it happened, um, but they're happy that it did, and um, they they made connections to again the Old Testament kind of prophecies of the coming of Christ. You know, they um, Christ was the Messiah was be told of one like unto Moses coming. Right, we've talked about that before on the podcast, right? And if you remember, prophet uh, Moses had miraculously fed Israel bread during the when they were in the wilderness, just like Christ had miraculously now fed them bread um, in, in their time of need, right? And they just draw these parallels together, and they're so enthused about this, they try to 
to make him king uh, over them, and they he would be their ruler, and all, all they kind of go into like the classic what everyone else thought the Messiah to be as far as the conquering, conquering force. But that wasn't Christ's. Um, that wasn't Christ's um, plan, and so. Um, what he does instead is he sends the apostles away, and they're a little bit hesitant to go because they have this kind of this rowdy crowd trying to force Christ to be their their king. But no, they he makes them depart on the boat. We know how that ends, and he goes um, to find a quiet place where he can remain most of the night in prayer, um, which I think is is really cool to to see um, Christ's emphasis on prayer, and that of course I think really easily applies to. A principle we can learn about prayer. I'll let you guys go in and find it. I shouldn't have all the fun. So, and then from that we already picked it up. So, um, we are out of time now, and so um, we'll have to end it there. So next week we will pick up and finish the second part um, that takes place after. Uh, the boat in the sea and the walking on water thing but thank you again for tuning in this week and until next time this has been another episode of light of the world in focus